If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Story time. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Where to begin? Rochelle and I took our kids to the Oregon Caves National Park in Southern Oregon. We ate lunch at a picnic table and then took a tour of the caves. The caves were spectacular. If you haven't seen them before, they are a must-see experience. Upon our exit of the cave, everyone usually turns to the right to go back down to the gift store and lodge. However, we are fresh from Alaska and love to hike in the outdoors, that I, we just moved from Alaska to Oregon earlier this year. We decided to go left and hike up to see the big tree, that is, a Douglas fir tree with a circumference of 40 feet that is about 800 to 1000 years old. We hiked for about 2 miles into the forest up the mountain. As we were hiking up the trail, we smelled a very strong pungent smell. It was as strong as a skunk but it wasn't a skunk. We know what a skunk smells like and it wasn't a skunk even though it was as strong smelling as a skunk. We were standing downwind of the smell. We continued to hike up the trail and the trail started to switch back to the right as we climbed the mountain. There were plenty of tall trees and brush. I heard a faint sound, whoa. At first I thought it was the blood vessels pounding in my head because it was a constant sound or rhythm and I'm out of shape, that is, it was a big mountain and we were constantly walking up, up. We kept walking up the trail. I heard the sound again except it was louder. Then I thought, this sound is external, not internal. We all stopped and I asked, do you guys hear that sound? Rochelle, Levi, 
Hannah, and Micah looked at me and nodded their heads in affirmation. Don't ask me why but we continued to walk up the mountain through the very tall trees and brush. The sound continued in cycles of five to six repetitions. Louder and louder. Now the sounds were behind us. I started putting one and one together in my mind and my biological fight or flight responses kicked in. I stopped my family on the trail. I told them to stay quiet. I hiked up the hill to our left because I had to go poop ASAP, I this happens when the biological fight or flight response kicks in. While I was doing my duty, I was scanning the woods down the mountain on the other side of the trail my family was standing on. That's when I saw it. I saw it come out from behind one tree to the left and walk to another tree to the right. Then it looked back and was watching my family while they were standing on the trail. I've hiked through the woods in Alaska numerous times and believe me, I know what a grizzly bear looks like and I know what a black bear looks like. I was actually chased by a grizzly bear on the Russian River in Alaska about 6 or 7 years ago. What I saw was not a grizzly bear or a black bear. What I saw walked upright on two legs like a human and it was much taller than a grizzly bear or a black bear. What I saw was Bigfoot, otherwise known as Sasquatch. I pulled up my shorts immediately, walked fast down to the trail and got my family moving up the mountain. I sure as heck wasn't going to go back down the trail where we came from and go right to it. I didn't tell my wife or children what I saw because I didn't want them to panic. At this point, the adrenaline was rushing and I was very hypervigilant, constantly looking behind us and through the woods. The sound stopped but I wasn't convinced we were safe. When we got to a place where the kids could stop and sit on a fallen log to rest and drink some water, I pulled Rochelle away and told her that she wasn't going to believe what I saw. She believed me right away. She smelled the smell and she heard the repetitive cycles of woe. I told her to keep the kids going and that I would stay at the back to keep my eyes on what was behind us. I told her that if anything came up from behind us or through the woods from the side of us that I would run interference to protect them. I told her that if this happened, I wanted her to run the kids on the trail, don't stop, and don't look back. We agreed not to tell the children because we didn't want to panic them. We never heard the sounds again and I never saw anything after that. We finally made it out of the woods about one half hours later. We sent the kids into the gift store to look for a gift because we had promised to buy them something if they were good hikers and didn't complain. Rochelle and I sat on the bench outside the gift store and talked about the pros and cons of whether or not to report what we smelled, heard, and saw. Rochelle said it was up to me. I decided that I wasn't going to keep this a secret because it was real and I know I'm sane. I remembered reading about how the albino gorilla was a myth-slash-legend in Africa for quite some time until someone finally captured one. Well I'm here to tell you today, and the world, that Bigfoot-slash-Sasquatch is not a myth or legend. The creature or animal really and truly does exist. After we made our decision, Rochelle went into the gift shop with the kids. I walked to the park headquarters and reported what I saw to NPS Ranger Beverly. I sat in the chair stunned and then I began to cry. All these emotions that I was stuffing due to the adrenaline began to surface now that my family and I were safe. You don't know how vulnerable I felt being so far out in the woods without the ability to protect my family in that kind of situation, no gun. I told the ranger that I was not crazy. I gave her my business card, I'm a licensed psychologist in private practice. I told her that I have two master's degrees and one doctorate degree and that I was an intelligent person. I told her that I know what I smelled, heard, and saw. In between the tears and my shaking, I told her that I saw Bigfoot. She believed me. She didn't think I was crazy. She said that there is a lot about our world that we don't know and that we are discovering new species all the time. She took my story, Rochelle's story and Levi confirmed what the noise sounded like. I was the only one who saw Bigfoot because I had hiked up off the trail high enough to see it. I can't tell you what it looked like other than it was very tall, looked half human and half ape, walked upright, and had very dark hair, a mix of very dark brown and or black hair. 
It happened way too quick and all I could think about after I saw it was to get my family the heck out of there. I've done some surfing on the internet and what I saw looked a lot like pictures online. Rochelle and I are willing to talk with anyone. We don't believe that it is right to have this kind of experience and to hide it from the rest of the world. Please feel free to pass this on to anyone you think would be interested in hearing the truth. I am Mark, an FBI agent. And I work at a secret facility in Yosemite National Park. Our team's focus is researching paranormal and cryptid activity. Our work is top secret, and we are sworn to secrecy, even to other government agencies. One day, while on the job, I discovered something shocking. I was reviewing surveillance footage from one of our experiments when I noticed a strange figure in the background. At first, I dismissed it as a glitch in the system, but then I saw it again. It was Bigfoot. My heart raced as I watched the footage, trying to process what I was seeing. This couldn't be happening. Bigfoot was a myth, a legend. And yet, there it was, captured on our cameras. I knew that I had to report this to my superiors, but I hesitated. What if they thought I was crazy? What if they silenced me or worse? But I couldn't keep this to myself. It was too important. I went to my supervisor and showed him the footage. He was shocked but didn't seem surprised. He told me that Bigfoot had been a part of one of our experiments, but it had escaped months ago. They had been searching for it ever since. I was outraged. How could they keep this from us? How could they let something like Bigfoot roam free in the park, potentially harming innocent people? I decided to take matters into my own hands. I grabbed my gear and headed into the woods, determined to find the creature and bring it back to the facility. As I searched, the woods grew darker and eerier. The trees seemed to close in around me, and I couldn't shake the feeling that something was watching me. But I pressed on, following any sign of the creature's tracks. Finally, I spotted it. Bigfoot was standing in front of me, towering over me with its massive frame. Its eyes glowed in the darkness, and its breath was heavy with anticipation. I tried to speak to it, to calm it down, but it was too late. Bigfoot charged at me with incredible speed and strength. I pulled out my gun and shot it, but it didn't stop. It kept coming, and I knew that I was in trouble. We battled for what felt like hours until finally, I managed to wound it enough to escape. I stumbled back to the facility, my heart racing and my body exhausted. I reported my unsuccessful hunt to my supervisor. My superiors were shocked when I showed them my wounds. They were in shock because they've been searching for him for months, and no one was closer than me in capturing it. Or killing it. Some colleagues even said that I was lying. Now I was really determined to find that creature. I'm an Eagle Scout and my troop goes on what we call high adventure every year around the start of summer. This past summer, we decided to go to Isle Royale, a little island to the east of Minnesota and north of Massachusetts. We were going to hike about 5 miles in and come back after a few days of swimming or hiking, but someone on our ferry convinced my scout leaders to do the whole 35-mile hike around the island. Most of the guys in my group didn't want to do it, and I especially didn't because I have a metal screw in my ankle. But we did it anyway. It was four days of hiking, ranging from 6-10 miles per day. It was probably the most grueling thing I've ever physically done, especially with the titanium in my foot. About 20 miles into our hike we met a guy named Bill. I really wish I had a picture of the guy, he was one of the most unique people I've ever met. But later that night we talked more and more until he wanted to tell us a story about something that happened to him and his group of kids he was watching over on the island. Now, the part of the island we were in at the moment was called Windigo. And that alone freaked me out, because the Windigo is supposed to be a mythological cannibalistic spirit that takes physical form of a tall, lanky humanoid shape. It's supposed to mimic sounds it hears, so footsteps, voices, etc to lure people out into the woods. Supposedly this was part of the island inhabited with that creature. 
It still freaks me out. Bill told us that one night, with his group of 10-12 year olds, who have never heard of the Wendigo, came to him one morning saying, Bill, why were you trying to scare us last night? We heard heavy footsteps around our tent and heard you grunting and saying our names. Bill was super perplexed, because he had slept through the night. He didn't go out of his tent, and his tent was a decent distance away from the kids while being relatively close as to make sure they were okay. But he slept through the night. He says that experience terrified him, especially when the exact same thing happened with a second group of kids who had never heard of the spirit or the lore of the island. Then he started hearing the voices of his kids outside of his own tent too. He told us that the Wendigo was real, and that we had to be careful and give it respect. He told us about the origin of the creature on the island and how it came to be the Wendigo. He was a firm believer that this creature was on the island with us, and even more so that it was nearby and that we would certainly have some sort of encounter, directly or non-directly. Sleeping in an open cover tent that night was honestly the most scared I've ever been camping, and I've camped far from society dozens and dozens of times. The worst is when you have to pee super badly, but you're way too mortified to go out into the woods alone to pee. You can't just pee next to your tent, and nobody is going to wake up to walk with you 20 feet into the woods in the dead of night. I think we were all just high strung from hiking and stressed out, but every twig that broke, every animal that called out, every step we heard from animals near our tent made us all jump. At one point one of my guys freaked out because he heard footsteps come from far away and get like right behind him next to the tent. I don't know about that, but it's certainly said in the hysteria. I'm honestly grateful nothing happened to me personally to make me a real firm believer in stuff like the Wendigo, but man, it felt like a horror movie all night. The other guys in my tent swore they heard footsteps, noises, grunting sounds, etc but I'm skeptical since they could have just been enjoying the fear. The worst kind of fear is the kind that settles in deep and stays there. That kind of anticipation and suspense that makes your body go into full fight or flight mode at a moment's notice. It was really freaky. I don't know if I believe Bill's story, or if it's just a matter of coincidence, but I know that Bill believes Bill. I wish I could talk to him again more about his experience. He's the first grown man I've ever seen kind of tear up in fear while just talking about his close encounter. Ever have that happen, where you just start tearing up in fear? I know that feeling, and I saw that he really felt that his encounter was real. I'm a skeptic for sure, but I never like to say I can disprove anything. To be honest, I'd kind of like to see what Bill was so terrified of. Maybe someday. On second thought, Screw it if I'm ever going back to that island. No, thanks. I'm freaking myself out just remembering this. I encountered a black triangle UFO just a little over 20 years ago. Myself and three of my friends were all sitting in my backyard on my picnic table, the top of it so we were all facing the same way looking up at the clear night sky one evening in the small town we lived in. We had just left the bar and were chatting about our night and smoking a joint when all of a sudden, out of nowhere we saw something really big, all black, triangle in shape with no lights whatsoever on it appear in the night sky. It was a split second that we all saw it move from one end of the sky to the other and it covered the stars as it did this, it was that massive. Easily the size of a football field, no joke. All of us just looked at each other and exclaimed at the same time, holy tea, did you just see that? It was insane. I'll never forget it. Then a few weeks after the incident, I had a very vivid dream that I was on a very cold operating table with what I could only sense as beings that were not human and they were tickling me each time they touched me. Almost like a faint electrical current. There were more than one touching me in different places all at one time. It was weird because I could feel their physical touches while asleep like I was actually there. I wasn't able to see anything while this was going on. I'm pretty sure I had something over my face so I couldn't see them or anything around me. However, I didn't feel threatened or scared by them at all. The dream ended abruptly, and I woke up in my bed. 
It seems so real to me and to this day, I fully believe I was abducted while asleep so they could study me. I have not seen the black triangle in the sky since or had any more alien abduction dreams thankfully but it was definitely one of the strangest occurrences for me to date. Has anyone else had a similar encounter? I'm up north and this is northern Michigan and anybody who knows anything about Michigan, once you get past the center of Michigan, it's pretty much all wilderness up until you get to Canada. So my wife's family, has a cabin probably three hours north of where we live, in a place called Vanderbilt, a very small little village. Their place is way out in the sticks. There's one street. And the street is maybe a mile long and there are six houses on the whole street. So it's a small cabin and it sits on maybe close to 70 acres but it's all wooded, just totally wooded. So the next neighbor is close but then after that, you know, you're probably about, a half mile before you get to the next person. So we're up there on four wheelers. We go up there, take the four wheelers, take a bunch of gas, and we ride. Like the whole family. So this one time, I don't know what in the hell possessed me to do this but 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock up there is not like it is when you're in a city because there are no street lights and you're totally in the forest. So I've ridden it. I have been going up there for damn near 15 to 20 years by this time and had not seen anything, had not heard anything. There was no indication that anything sketchy at all would be going on. So I get my daughters, two of my daughters. So we jump on our wheels and my thing is this is like you take a main road down probably a mile and then you turn and you go on a dirt road and then you take that road around. Then you're going to the wood and then there are things called two tracks in this. It's kind of a place where there's enough area for one vehicle, or one four-wheeler, or whatever, and then that's where you hit all the trails. So as we're on the main road or whatever, it's still pretty open because it's a paved road and it's two lanes, one going each way. It's pretty wide open and it's not that dark, you know, but the lights of the four-wheelers are on. So we go we make the left and we get on the dirt road. This is a main kind of what you'd consider a main road there. It's not technically inside the wood where the two track is so it's a place where you could drive a truck or a car whatever. So we make those first couple of turns going back there before even getting really into the woods. In the two tracks, it's like it went from 5 to 6 o'clock to midnight immediately. I'm like, oh no, this is a bad idea. I started to feel really funny. So I stopped my daughters and I'm like, nope, turn around. I allow both of them to go in front of me and turn around and I turn around last and I tell them, nope, just keep going right on back to the cabin. So we're on like, we're not even 5 to 10 minutes from the cabin. So we turn around and we start heading back to the cabin and as we head back and I'm in back there and they're in front, both of them. I look to my left and here's what's really weird and kind of how I don't know. How your mind works when you see something that you just, you don't really know what you're seeing. Your mind can't process it. I look over and the only thing I can think of is just two people on horses because that's the only thing that my mind could process, a human figure being that tall. Somebody would have to be sitting on top of a horse. That was the first thing my mind processed and they're just standing still, not moving one muscle. Two of them. One is clearly taller than the other by almost a foot. So I'm looking at them. I don't see the back part of the horses at all but their hair is so long it's like a horse's mane but it's all over and they're just standing there. I just freaked out because I'm back here in the dark and now my mind is playing tricks on me. So I keep going. We zoom back to the cabin. It's probably 10 PM 15 relatives were there. They're all sitting around the fire outside, you know drinking, whatever, telling stories, having a good time and we got like five dogs with us because it's three or four families. I think I had two dogs at the time. So we get back and I'm sitting around, of course, telling the story about how that was the worst idea ever because we turned two corners and we were in complete darkness and how I would never ever do anything that stupid again. We're sitting around and my back is to the cabin and I'm facing the woods. All of a sudden, all of the dogs started to go completely bonkers. They're running around in circles, 
peeing on themselves, barking. I mean barking, but totally scared. No bark of aggression at all. I mean absolutely totally, they're all going so crazy that everybody corrals their dogs and they had to put their dogs in the cabin and the dogs are still going crazy. They just will not stop. So I'm like, what the heck is going on? And my dog, rest in peace, Nala, she's right next to me but she's just going in circles, going in circles, going in circles and I'm like, what's wrong? Relax. 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 So I look straight ahead in the woods and what I see, and this is how I processed it, I see glowing yellow eyes, two sets. One was probably 11 feet tall and one was probably 12 feet tall and the only reference I have is I coach basketball. I coached basketball for 20 years so I know what 10 feet tall looks like and I know one was 11 feet and one was 12 feet. So I say to myself this must be two owls in the trees. Wow, owls. Their eyes would be like, you know, close together if it's an owl. These are this far apart, uses fingers to show width, and so I just started to look and I see them blink. I see one of the sets of eyes blink and then it dawns on me what the dogs are afraid of and what they saw and I believe that those same two Sasquatch that I had just seen when we rode around the corner coming back. Those two had covered the distance in roughly minutes to get where they were and they were just outside of our fire and everything else but they were legit right there watching us and that's why the dogs went absolutely berserk because they also saw the same two Sasquatch that I saw up north in Vanderbilt, Michigan. I was walking my dog through a clearing in some woods at about 12 am midnight. I was looking straight ahead but out of my peripherals I thought I seen smoke gathering above my head. When I looked up I seen seven dimly lit circular lights in a bow pattern slowly hovering away. No noise at all. It was a massive aircraft. Either aliens or an unknown military aircraft. I went back there a few more times to see if it'd see it again but had no luck I told like everyone I knew about this experience but everyone looked at me like I was crazy. I'm 100% positive of what I seen. My grandmother, my mom's mother, recently passed away about two weeks ago. It was a very hard time for my family and my mother. She was the very last grandparent I had, as my other grandparents passed away years ago. Additionally, in April of 2021, I lost two uncles within five weeks of each other, both my mother's brothers. One was expected and the other was not. So it's been a rough couple of years for my poor mother. She's slowly healing, but I am sure it still hurts her. She was over at my house last night and was telling me about traveling back home, she had to fly overseas for the funeral, and about how it was nice being with her family and just laughing and crying together. She had made it back home one day before my grandmother passed and got to see her one last time. My mom told me some interesting stuff that happened while she was back home with my grandma. The first thing happened after my grandma was hospitalized, she had been taken to the hospital at some point before my mom got there. Mom said while the family was visiting her, my grandma, who was 97 years old at the time and mostly blind, said she could see her husband, my deceased grandpa, and my two uncles that had passed away, all standing in the room waiting for her. My mom and aunts and uncles were asking her what she is talking about, and told her there was no one here. I have heard about people seeing loved ones right before dying so I thought that was really interesting. Not much after that my grandma passed and they had the funeral for her. Almost the whole town came to my grandma's funeral, as funerals are a big deal back home. My mom of course was devastated but it was expected after all. That night, mom told me she had a dream that she was with a bunch of deceased cousins and family, as well as some living ones. My mom said she looked at her deceased relatives and said what are you guys doing here? She said one of her cousins then said we're just waiting for your mom. Mom said at that point one of her cousins, who is alive, came up to her and gifted her with two boxes of sweets. He said one is for you and one is for sister. We are sorry for your loss. Mom said after that she woke up. 
The next day, my mom said she went to my grandma's house to clean out some things with my aunt. Mom said they had a ton of visitors and people coming by to pay their respects. At one point, my mom said her cousin from the dream came to see her. He had brought two boxes of sweets with him. He gave one to my mom and one to my aunt, and obviously my mom was shocked. She told him about the dream and they all kind of laughed together and discussed it. My mom kept repeating to me how shocked she was at that moment when the same scenario from the dream happened. I asked my mom, who is 56, about what she thought about grandma seeing the dead relatives and what this all means, the dream included. She said I really don't know but it has to be something good. I told her I agreed. In my opinion, there is something very comforting about knowing you could get to see all of your loved ones again when you die, and that they almost welcome you home as you pass away. This tells me there just has to be something better waiting for us after this life. I just know it. Thank you for reading. Right off the bat, I'll tell you I'm a 16-year-old kid telling absolutely the truth so God strike me dead. I hope you don't take my report as bogus because of that. Let me explain my situation to you, I live, and have lived, on the Malala River for most of my life, and never thought twice about walking around at night or anywhere period. About two months ago, I was alone in my grandma's house using the computer, when I decided to go home. My house is only about 50 yards away. As I was stepping outside the most hideous feeling of buying alone and fear thumped my heart. I kept walking in terror, when, all of the sudden, about 30 feet off to my right, I heard a loud thumping sound crash out. From there on, Byang distorted by my act of running faster than I've ever moved before, I could swear I heard the distinctive two-legged footsteps veering toward me from off the trail between houses. I raced in my house, slammed the door, locked it and sat in the living room to calm down from my strange experience. The oddest feelings flushed through me then, and now. Now, before you dismiss my story as a frightened child running from noises, I'll have to tell you of the strange past our 45 acres of land at the end of the Dickey Prairie Road has had, around three years ago, when we had cattle and cows fenced on our property, I noticed casually of how they would always stay together and go near the barns at night, then, one day, we discovered two of them killed up in the woods by the drinking creek. The killings weren't average killings either. The cows didn't have a scratch on them. Both had broken necks and their eyeballs sucked out cleanly. Since those experiences, I'm now scared to go hiking and travel at night. Yes, average signs of fear, but, I have the weird feeling of buying an intruder. Thank you for your time sincerely, Sean Murray P.S. I'm a believer. I've lived in Florida my whole life my sisters and me grew up playing in the woods. There were more than a few times we got weird feelings like we were being followed and we would end up running all the way home. We also found what looked like walking sticks with animal skulls on top and the sticks were decorated with beads we lived in the middle of nowhere which made it more creepy because we never ran into anyone else out there. One instance that really sticks out though is something that happened to my wife, my son, and me about a year ago. We were checking out a new area to hunt later on in the year. We walking down a game trail and came up to a big rabbit sitting in the middle of the trail just staring at us and no matter how close we got to it he wouldn't move, and the woods were quite as could be. Out of nowhere he darts the way we came in and stops and stares at us again so we start walking towards him and darts down the trail again but stopped, it was like he wanted us to follow him so we did. He ended up leading us to a cool little creek where it seemed like he disappeared, we ate lunch and spent the rest of the day there, but we had an intuition not to go back down that trail. In the early 80s I worked in a hospital doing maintenance. I started on the 11pm 7am shift, I was the only person in the main engineering plant behind the actual hospital where the boiler, pumps, AC equipment, etc. was. It's pretty much like you see in the movies with steam pipes everywhere and whatnot, just better lighting. 
After a few weeks I started to notice movement at the edges of my vision, like someone jumping behind a metal tank or ducking behind an electric motor. There were times I thought it was the guy I knew from hospital security because he was the only one else who had a key. Every time I'd check it out though, I'd find a big fat nothing. It was creepy, but I chalked it up to just some quirk of the mind, playing tricks. I finally mentioned to the day shift guy who worked the 11-7 before me that I thought I was going crazy seeing this phantom thing always at the periphery of my vision. He got super serious and said he was relieved to be off that shift because he used to see him all the time too. I moved on to a different type job not long after. The hospital and plant is still there, I should drop by and talk to the night shift guy. Apologies if this isn't allowed, I got to thinking after a couple of weird things I experienced in my hometown and it had me thinking if anybody else has experienced anything. Back when we were teens me and my brother were out for a walk outside of our neighborhood. Where we were walking was kinda wooded but the houses were still pretty close together, yet considerably more in the boonies compared to our place. Anyways, we had almost completed the loop of the area and were around the bend going toward the exit when we heard something. Odd? I remember there was a helicopter overhead around the time we both heard this weird guttural yell growl, like right next to us it was so damn close. It sounded like a mix between a mountain lion, a pissed off house cat, and yet oddly human like all at once. We both just froze and looked at each other startled and I started looking around for the source but there wasn't a single cat or anything animal-like about. I was pretty freaked out and practically sped walked to the road, all the while my brother kept asking me what the F that was, but I was too spooked to talk about it. It was like a primal type fear in an instant we heard it, and I just kept looking over my shoulder the whole way back. Anyways, pretty benign compared to other stories I've read here and I'm sure there's an explanation to the sound. But it did have me wondering, has anyone else experienced weird shit in Florida? A number of years ago my grandparents lived near a town in eastern Washington called Okanagan. They owned a small ranch above the town on top of a small mountain, about a 15 minute drive from downtown. They owned 100 acres of land. My sister, Cousin and I would spend about a month during summer vacation out there helping out and, of course, doing some exploring. They only had a few neighbors that were down the road so it was pretty secluded. Anyways there was an old circular hut on about an acre of land pretty much right next to their fence line. Ever since I could remember the place had been up for sale, the guy that used to live there got hauled off to prison for trying to light the courthouse on fire to burn his criminal records so we would go look around and walk through the place. Being kids, we did a lot of hiking and exploring throughout the area up there, but for some reason we never hiked up the small canyon near that house, so we decided to do that one day. I was with my sister, my cousin, and two of our friends and we started to hike up through the small canyon. Once we got to the top we came to a large area of flat pasture land, and a ways off, a small cabin. Walking a little closer we realized that it was abandoned, no windows, door pretty much torn off the hinges, a lot of vegetation growing around the property, and an old abandoned jeep parked near the cabin, we decided to take a closer look. When I walked over to the front door, I peered in to see if there was anything in there, and saw that the whole place was filled with junk. I also noticed that there was a small deer carcass that was tangled, or wound up, in barbed wire hanging from the ceiling, completely vertical with its rear end facing upward. The barbed wire looked old and rusty, I didn't feel like getting too close to the entrance, and it was missing its head. Now back when this happened I had just turned 15, so after taking a closer, and quick, look at it, and letting everyone else look, I suggested we get out of there, we left after everyone had their turn looking at the carcass. We never went back up there due to the fact that we didn't know how that had gotten there, maybe a crazed hermit or something, our young minds. We never told my grandparents what we saw since they didn't want us wandering too far from their property. 
They ended up moving few years ago and since I have my own family now, I hadn't been over there in about 5 years. Thinking about it now, maybe it was a hunter that had put it there, but then again why would they use barbed wire to hang the carcass? I have no idea, but that freaked us out back then. One morning this spring decided to go turkey hunting, up in the Ottawa Valley. That night I stalked a group of turkeys and set up just a bit from their roost. The next morning I hike up into the edge of the woods, and get into my ground blind nice and early. It was about 4.30 am when I was all set up and in place. I'm sitting there, and at about 4.40, I hear something creeping towards me in the bush. Keep in mind that it's still pitch black dark. All of the sudden I hear a scream or shriek unlike anything I've ever heard before. My heart starts pounding and I grip my gun tighter and tighter. It slowly gets closer and closer, continuously letting out this shriek, which sounded half-human. My skin is crawling and I'm freaking the F out. I spend hours every year in the bush and I've seen so much, but I have no idea what the F this thing is. It slowly starts to distance itself, and I start to calm down and catch my breath. All of the sudden it starts making its way back towards me again, screaming every 5 seconds, and I'm literally about to have a heart attack. The turkeys are gobbling every time this thing screamed and it was getting intense. The thing was 20 yards in front of me and you still couldn't see a thing. I was working on an oil rig an hour and a half northwest of College Station. We were drilling on someone's land where we cleared out a spot where the forest was thick. One day I walking through the mud pits area and under the support beam of the roof I saw what I thought was a snake. I go and grab our mud collection cup that tied to a long stick as to poke it to get it out if there. It then decided to slither off the support beam and fly around me as I swing furiously as to catch it and find out what the hell it is. It had many legs kinda like a centipede. About 3-4 feet in length. As him swinging at it one of the cameras was pointing at me. The driller then ran to edge of the rig floor and was asking me what the hell is that thing. As I turned to see who was yelling at me the thing took to the sky. We both looked at it until it disappeared into the clouds. I was a watch officer on a big semester at Sea Square rigged sailing ship. We had just pulled into Porto, Brazil after crossing the South Atlantic from South Africa. We arrived just before sunset and finished after dark, probably like 10 PM. I had been at sea for weeks and was dying to get off the ship. I had two hours to kill until I stood the midnight to 4 am watch. So me and another guy leave the ship in search of a place to get a beer or some new food, as opposed to the galley fare the cook had been making for days on end. Anyone who's seen the world from a ship can tell you that you don't go to new ports. You go to the same port over and over. A run-down waterfront industrial park surrounded by shitty industrial adjacent neighborhoods. We walk out the main gate and hit a residential neighborhood that I can best describe as a barrio as an ignorant first-worlder. House after house in a random labyrinth of narrow alleys. It's a ghost town. No one is on the streets. Walking the whole time in a long shadow cast by the infrequent yellow flood lights randomly attached to buildings or telephone poles. All the windows are barred. Atop all the walls surrounding these homes, there are shards of shattered glass embedded in the mortar, a not uncommon security thing around the less developed word. And then we turn the corner and there's this tiny clearing bathed in bright fluorescent light. There's a little takeout window and a random assortment of benches and plastic lawn chairs. It's about 11 but it's lit up so we knock on the window. We're about to leave when a guy shows up rubbing the sleep from his eyes. We feel like shit for waking this guy up but he's super excited to see rich white people at his food stand. We weren't rich but people in developing countries equate white first worlders with extravagant spending. Since we hadn't seen a money changer at this hour, we paid in US dollars and totally filled the stereotype. It took him like 15 minutes to open his kitchen and I guess ignite stoves. 
We're running out of time and have a long walk back but he insists we stay and eat. Oh, and Portuguese is the language in Brazil, and unlike a cafe in Paris, this guy doesn't speak English, like at all. So this whole thing is pantomimed with gestures. We want food. He points at the make line in his kitchen wanting to know what we want. I point at the bread, meat, and make sweeping give me the works motions over all of it. Time passes. He gives us these little plastic thin office trash bag type plastic bags, like the size of your fist. Sticking halfway out is a small sandwich roll. Looks like lettuce, veggies, meat, the usual. But it's got this creamy cheese sauce with a consistency somewhere between melted cheese and mayonnaise, I think it's queso? It's delicious as f and we order two more. The sandwich comes in a plastic bag to contain the sauce-like cheese that it's floating in. Never seen anything like it before or since. We pay the man with two $20 USDs and he gives us a few Brazilian reals back so now we got some local cash. We walk back through the empty streets finishing our food trying to clean our fingers and faces of this sauce too viscous and sticky for napkins to ever clean. We finish at a steady jog to make it through the gate in time for the midnight watch. Anyway, in this shadowy ghost town it was kind of mysterious to stumble upon this light in the darkness window that sold bag sandwiches containing magical liquid cheese. I was a boy scout at the time of this experience, now eagle, and this honestly has to be one of the creepiest things I have ever seen. So I went with a troop, basically a class of scouts, from a local parish to England for 16 days. I stayed and had an amazing time, enjoying the less strict drinking laws that England had to offer and other teenage things, but this happened when I completely sober. I was camping with a whole bunch of scouts from other nations on an estate, and I got up at around 1am to go take a leak. I'm doing my business and all when I see what looks to be a man standing 20 feet away from me. I can't make out any features, I just know that he is a person. It was especially creepy because it was just the moonlight illuminating the area, and you could make out the shadows from trees and lanterns and all the other effects, but he had no shadow at all. It's like he was completely opaque, jet black. I am standing there just watching him, too terrified with fear to move. Eventually, I realize my fly is down and I glance away to fix it, but when I look back up he is about 10 feet closer. This is weird to me because it had just been downpouring that day, and the ground was completely muddy. I would have heard the distinct sounds of boots or shoes squishing on the mud, but there was none. I book it back into my tent, close the zipper, but I can see him moving closer. I close my eyes and try to sleep but I can feel fingers running along the side of my tent trying to feel for something. I wake up my brother and asks if he can hear it, to which he says no and gets mad at me for waking him up. Thinking to myself I must be seeing things, I finally achieve sleep. The next morning I unzip my tent, and the rainfly has been thrown off the tent and is lying next to it. The only way someone could have done that is that they found a buckle underneath the rainfly and undid it. It starts to click in my head that maybe whoever was feeling around the tent also did this, as they would have felt the buckles. Luckily, we left for London that day and never had to camp for the rest of the trip. It made for a good story, and something to brag about, but it still freaks me out to this day. I go off the grid for a few days every year. One year I decided to drive to Colorado and just hike. I had a little emergency gear and a big-ass bear mace sprayer. Typically the bears avoid people but everybody knows a guy who had a friend. Anyway, I was in the woods on a well-traveled trail near Manitou Springs, Irk, it was called Williams Canyon Trail or something, and I spotted a cool-looking area off of the trail. It was a strange formation a sheer rock and dirt wall with tree roots coming out of it. It was at least 15 feet tall. I got over to the formation without issues and heard the loud pop of something heavy breaking a branch. Because of the formation and dense trees, the acoustics were weird and I couldn't figure out where the noise came from. 
I tried to go back the way I came but as soon as I walked back around the formation I was face to face with a bear. It stood up. I was about 15 feet from the thing and it was staring right at my face. I had done a nature thing in Oregon once that taught me how to run off a bear, but none of that was fresh on my mind in that instance. In fact, I completely forgot I had $25 worth of bear mace. To this day I can't explain my thinking but I angrily told the bear hey man, go f off. And pointed away from the hiking trail. It looked at where I was pointing, looked back at me, and promptly f off away from the hiking trail. The adrenaline crash was pretty rough after that. I got the cold sweats and shook for several minutes once I got back to the trail. Also, it is good that I had relieved myself before hiking the trail or the sweats and shakes would have been the least memorable part of my walk back to my pickup truck. I was sitting by my campfire one night in an old growth cypress swamp in the deep south, thinking about crawling in my tent and going to sleep. In the quiet of the night I heard a four-wheeler moving through the woods on a trail about a quarter mile away. It stopped, then I heard three shots, and after a few moments the sound faded again as it rode away. I decided it was most likely some trespassing redneck spotlighting deer and since there was nothing to be done about it I went on to bed. Around 3 am that night I was jerked awake by sound of a pack of snarling, yipping coyotes. They were close and they were ripping apart a wounded deer. The squealing sound the deer made while being eaten sounded almost like a screaming child and I could hear that sound distinctly even over the snarls. In answer, two distant packs of coyotes up in the hills above the swamp began howling and I felt the hair stand up on the back of my neck. The awful squealing stopped after a few minutes but the snarling went on for some time as the coyotes fought over the torn carcass. I lay there in the dark for the rest of the night, listening in dread while the dying embers of my fire cast random freakish shadows against the walls of my tent. I was bike packing a trail with a close friend of mine in early August. We had camped at the top of the pass for the night and were heading down the trail back to the road. The woods were silent except for the pouring rain and buzzing mosquitoes. I had a prickling feeling on the back of my neck, like I was being watched, but every instinct I had was telling me to not look back. I was almost to the trailhead coming around a sharp turn when I saw something big and dark and insanely fast move across the trail a ways behind me. I know it wasn't a moose or a bear, and it was too big to be a wolf. I would play it off as trick of the light, but for the feeling of almost overwhelming dread and fear. When I got out of the Marines I decided to celebrate by going camping by myself. I was tired of living under someone's thumb and just wanted to be my own man for a while. I went to a secluded spot that requires you to hike in about 8-9 miles on foot. The trail itself was pretty overgrown and it seemed more like a game trail than one people created on purpose, that wasn't the case but the trail obviously hasn't seen a lot of use. I picked a gorgeous camping spot and alongside of a mountain river. There was no signs of any humans as far as I can tell nor did I see anyone on my hike in. The first night I was awakened about 2 in the morning by a coughing sound. It sounded like the kind of cough that people who have been smoking for 30 years had. I peeked my head out of my tent and said hello, anyone out there? Silence. After a while I went back to bed. The second night, same thing. This time I got out my flashlight and my e-tool, for self-defense, and looked around. I didn't see anything. I was calling out anyone out there? I walked to the river, looked around and then made a square around the perimeter of my campsite to see if I found any tracks or signs on people. Nothing. The morning of the third day, I decided to move camp. I walked probably a mile downstream and found another good spot. That evening, sure enough same thing. Again, I walked the perimeter and found nothing. The next morning I decided to cut my camping a day or two short because I was getting creeped out.
I was 12 years old while I was visiting my friend Max at his house. I hadn't seen him for a year because we went to different school. Max lived on a rural piece of land. They had a big house his parents made, a field, then, if you followed a road for a bit you'd arrive at a patch of dense, Oregon woods. I would often go outside at home, but I was never smart enough to wear hiking boots, so I always wore tall rubber boots. Anyways, we decided we would follow the road for a bit and cut into the woods and make a fort. So, we got going, and we found a spot to cut into the woods by some construction vehicles. Now, this wasn't on his property, so there was a lot of stuff related to development and deforestation. So, we were going to cut into the woods, when one of us saw it. There was a pile of maybe 20 cow skulls and a good amount of coarse cans. We marked his as odd, built our fort in the woods, and walked back to the house for some homemade cheese and crackers. I was good friends with my neighbor and his family when I was a teenager. My neighbor was a youth pastor of a local church. Apparently someone at the church decided to do a backpacking trip in Yosemite National Park. My neighbor had never been backpacking before and he knew I was an avid backpacker and hiker, so he basically begged me to go with him. I agreed and met his youth group, geez, what a bunch of misfits. These kids, ranging from 14-17, I was 18 at the time, and they were poorly behaved, some had bad attitudes, and one in particular bragged long and loud about how he'd wrestle a bear. We hiked up the mist trail into Little Yosemite Valley, which is on the backside of Half Dome. We spent the day hiking in some really nice territory. I didn't much care for my group, but the 19-year-old, 5-feet female trail guide was friendly so it wasn't a total loss. The campsite at LYV is backpackers only. So the site is basically a forested area with a few felled trees which act as markers for the different campsites. It was summer and fair weather so we didn't bring tents, sleeping out on tarps and sleeping bags. As I was trying to bed down and go to sleep, a couple of the punks in the group thought it was funny to lob small sticks and stones at me. I asked them to stop but these punks just laughed and kept it up. It sufficiently pissed me off that I vowed to get even. I waited until the chatter died off, and the sounds of deep sleep breathing grew around me. The forested campground was pitch black on a new moon night, no campfires allowed, and quiet all around. The only differentiation between blackness of surroundings was the velvety purple of the night sky blazing with millions of stars. I crept out of my sleeping bag, and crawled on my hands and knees, carefully brushing the forest floor in front of me clear of needles and twigs, which there was a lot, so that as I moved I wouldn't make any sounds. I crawled over to the two punks who threw stones at me and found their hiking boots, and tossed their boots off into the bushes. Then crawled back to my sleeping bag silently and went to sleep with a grin on my face. Sleep came quickly after that. I snapped awake sometime later, still pitch black inky darkness all around, and everything is completely, totally, eerily silent. I happened to be laying on my side when I awoke, and I awoke completely, no middle groggy ground, just snapped awake from a dead sleep. I could see a narrow sliver of velvet night sky between the trunks of trees, about 5-6 feet off the ground. Right at that moment, a shadow broke the bottom edge of that sliver of night sky. My breathing froze and my heartbeat ratcheted up quickly. I lay still, totally awake, staring wide awake into the darkness, straining with all my senses, listening. Nothing. Silence. I told myself it must have been an owl gliding through the darkness on silent wings and closed my eyes and slowed my breathing trying to go back to sleep. I start to drowse off again when all of a sudden, one of the backpacks in the line of backpacks, that were set against the fallen marker log of our campsite, starts to jingle, while the zippers started jingling. I froze again, trying to figure out what the heck would make those zippers jingle as no other backpack zippers were jingling. Right then, our 19-year-old, 5-feet trail guide flicks on her flashlight. Six inches away from a brown bear's face. 
The bear had chomped onto the backpack and was doing a full reverse tug trying to make off with it, but the dead log had snapped limbs and by pulling the bag, it had torn the nylon and hopelessly snagged it. It took a moment to register. There is a bear in camp. Six feet to my left. Our trail guide starts yelling at it and hitting it in the face with small stones she scooped up off the forest floor. Ya bear. Yeah. This woke up the whole camp pretty quick and someone started blowing one of those ultrasonic whistles. The bear gave up and sprinted out of camp, dodging between tents, shaking its head like it had bees in its ears. It didn't come back. Turns out one of the punks who had been throwing stones at me while I was trying to go to sleep left a bag of trail mix in his backpack. I work at sea on a bulk carrier. One time I was on watch at night with one other guy on the lookout for me. He was looking forward out the windows and I was just making coffee, wandering from equipment to equipment to monitor the situation. We were in the open ocean and there was nothing shown on our AIS and nothing on the radar so I was happy to be a bit chilled about it all. Then I came back to the radar screens and a target was showing on our longer range, S-band, radar so I selected it and got the system to track its course and speed etc. I kept an eye on it from then and asked the lookout to keep an eye out for another vessel on our starboard bow, where it should be coming into visual range in a few minutes. The target then showed up on the X-band radar so I acquired it on that. I went back to the long-range radar and had a look at the tracking details and the system was telling me that the other vessel was on a collision course for about 40 minutes time. I had the target, which I assumed was a vessel, on my starboard bow so that made me the giveaway vessel in a crossing situation so I knew what I had to do when it came to it and wanted to take early action but I was still weary that neither myself or the lookout had even spotted it yet. I had another look at the AIS, AutoID system, to see if there was anything out there and it showed nothing. It's not uncommon for AIS to be crappy, thought nothing of it. I altered my course to starboard to pass astern of the target at the sort of normal distance and got the closest point of approach up to the recommended 2 miles. Still, couldn't see anything. But at this point, I was happy that I wasn't going to hit it whatever it was so we just carried on. After we passed the vessel and the range had increased up to about 4 miles, it vanished off both radars, just like that, gone. I don't think there was ever a ship and I explained the situation to the old man the next day and he was saying it could have been a cloud but I've never seen that happen with a cloud before. Especially since it was showing a perfect, constant heading at a nice 12.5 knot speed the entire time. The lookout was just saying it was a sign from God but okay then. Freaked me right out. I used to work security, and several years ago I was assigned to a remote construction site where a summer camp was being built. It was quite literally in the middle of the woods, roughly 4 or 5 miles into the forest with only a single access road they'd been using to haul equipment and supplies and such. My job was to provide overnight security, doing a foot patrol of the entire area. The patrol covered 2 miles in all, roughly once every hour and then going back to my post, a tiny wooden shack not much bigger than a phone booth, to fill out my logs. Other than the occasional black bears and coyotes, it was a very boring assignment. With one exception. I was doing a routine patrol one night near the end of my shift, around 3 am or so. I just passed the gate where the access road enters the site when I heard an extremely loud, piercing scream that seemed to have come from some distance down the road. It sounded like a woman screaming in absolute terror, so I immediately took off sprinting as fast as I could in that direction. I didn't hear anything else after the initial scream, but about a quarter of a mile or so down the road, guesstimating, I came upon a car parked just off the side of the road. There was no car in sight when I'd come through on my way to my shift, so it had to have been parked there fairly recently. Not running, no lights on, no doors open or anything. I called out to see if anyone was there, but no answer. I looked around the general area but didn't see anything. Needless to say, 
I was pretty goddamn sketched out at this point. I ran back to my post and reported what I'd heard slash seen to the police since there wasn't really anything else I could do. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess, nothing ever really came of it. I never found out whose scream I heard or what caused it. The car was apparently owned by a guy who lived in the area but I never heard why it was there. My supervisor suggested that maybe I'd heard a mountain lion or other animal screaming, but I've heard those sounds before, and although they're definitely freaky, there's no mistaking an honest-to-goodness human scream. I live in a very rural area in eastern North Carolina. The county has roughly 20,000 people but they are roped into five communities and most of the remaining area is just miles of open fields or forests. Two stories. First, my family owns about 40 acres of forestland behind my house. Growing up I would always go explore the woods with friends after school. I've walked a good majority of that land. Fast forward two years when we're logging the land. I'm driving home and I see police cars everywhere. Turns out the loggers found a body slash remains in our woods which had been there for about 10 years. The theory was that he walked down the railroad track that passes through our land, and killed himself in our woods. Incredibly lucky that I didn't stumble upon the body as a kid. Side note, the more I think of it, our land is fickety fed up. One self-harm, seven normal family deaths in the house. Second, there's a place called Diamond City out in the most rural part of our county. Although it's called a city, it's anything but. Here is a brief explanation of the city as well as the phenomena. Approximately 5 miles from the nearest paved road, Diamond City is a network of dirt roads way deep into the woods. There's long been a legend of the Diamond City lights that you can see in the woods. I've always been amazed at legends like this so naturally I go explore it with friends. We go deep into the trail, cut the car off and flash the lights. Waiting for anything. Being that far away from civilization, with no signal and surrounded by pitch black woods is an incredibly eerie feeling. We sit there in silence until one night I see far down the path a small flicker of light. It then begins to grow and roll toward the car. We wait and the orb of light grew and grew until it disappeared. For a second it was like time itself stopped. Then I see light from behind the car. I hesitantly turn around and see the ball rolling away at the same speed at which it arrived. I'm not sure if seeing it is creepier or the thought that it went right by us. I don't know if this counts as seclusion, but on my last deployment in Iraq I was doing tons of night guard shifts. The FOB I was operating on had these old bunkers with large steel doors that were completely chained up, they would only open about an inch. One long night was creeping by and I could have sworn I heard screaming like a female screaming. When I got near the bunker door I could hear the screaming grow louder, it sounded like it was deep in the bunker. I tried to get inside but there was no possible way. Then the screaming just stopped, I reported it to 9N but they said it was sealed off. I can still hear the scream. 